Hello and welcome to Be Powerful with Liz and Lee. It's a new day and we're so glad you're here. So you can expect to hear candid conversations on what it means to be powerful. Live authentically, live in the midst of ups and downs, productively, and above all else, joyfully. We are so thankful for you, our community of listeners, and we hope you enjoy today's show. Hi, everyone, and hello, Liz. Hi, Lee. How's it going? It's going, right? We're going to just, you know, get right to it. Let's do. So what we're talking about today is Roe versus Wade being upturned Mm -hmm. and abortion. And abortion. Correct. It is a hot topic. Mm -hmm. It is an interesting and whichever way you feel about it, kind of crazy time in our world. And what we try to do here is just share our experiences, our feelings, our emotions. And Liz, today you are sharing a story Mm -hmm. and I am grateful for that. Thank you. And want to just hand it over to you and say, I am here for you always. And you've made it your mission and your career to be a support to women to men and to people and to help them be powerful and authentic in everything they are. So this is authenticity, your story and (laughs) we're grateful for you. I'm grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, I am, uh, sad that I have to be sitting here talking about abortion on a day that is 24 hours post the flip of Roe versus Wade. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm going to tell my story and everyone knows if you've listened to us or seen us at all, I'm 68 years old. So therefore, um, I was of childbearing age well before Roe versus Wade was originally passed in 1973. Um, that being said, I'm going to tell my story here and I want you to know I've never told anyone this. Mm -hmm. I've told you this. I've told my daughter Mm -hmm. in case she, you know, had a problem. I would never have wanted to, you know. Right, share claim something. Sure. So anyway, here's but the scoop. St- um, I am a pre Roe versus Wade child of the '70s, and um, I have a story about two very powerful women. One was 17. That was me. I wasn't very powerful then. I was just lucky enough to be born to an incredible woman named Elizabeth Clary. <laughs> which I flipped my name and, and named my daughter Clary Elizabeth. But my mom. Um, this story is about me and my mom. Pre Roe versus Wade. In 1970, my dad died and I was 16 years old. Worst time you can imagine, you're 16. Um, that was February of 1970. I had a steady boyfriend. We were madly in love, figured we were going to be married and live together forever and ever. And we had never had sex until three months later, his dad died. And so we found ourselves in this story of 16, almost 17 year old love that we felt really alone and, you know, the things you Mm -hmm. feel as a teenager, but this was pretty intense. And so we, we were, we chose to have sex. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we loved each other. We've all those things. It doesn't really matter. Actually, you can have sex whether you love each other or not, but in our case, we really had a relationship and um, my dad died in, uh, 70 in February and in 1971, I was pregnant 
And I'll never forget, um, because there were no options then, right? The I knew people that had been pregnant. Mm-hmm. I had a, my best friend had her older sister who was super smart. I mean, she was like really smart in her high school. And she had had to get married. And now they live down the street with a baby. And I didn't think things were going well there. Right. I mean, it was tough. You had cho- The choice you had was drop out of school, mm-hmm. get, get married, go have your baby somewhere. Um, get, let me get back to my mom real quick. My mother was um, a new widow and also an active member of the Florence Crittenden home. Is that, did I say that correctly? You did. Crittenden, it's you hard did. for me to say, here in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, working on the board, actually, at that yeah. time in 1971. So she worked with w- girls and women who were needing places to stay and shelter while they were pregnant right. because there were no options. So that seemed like a really tough tough ordeal. And she talked about it. And she always said to me, if there was a problem, I want you to come to me. She was very honest with me about mm-hmm. sex. And I mean, again, I think she was way ahead of her time about sure. how to take care of yourself and these things. So anyway, I find myself at 17, um, talking to my boyfriend the night we find out that I am indeed pregnant and we're driving down Burge Road in Concord. Cause I remember that road weirdly. Uh, you don't forget certain things. So he said to me, well, I mean, maybe I should just run the car off the road and then we'll, we'll kill ourselves and we'll be good. And I, I thought that was an, a really viable option because we were so young and we were in love, but we couldn't imagine being married. Sure. I couldn't imagine having a child. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even imagine any of that sort of thing. So he said, let's go talk to your mom. Or I said, let's go talk to your mom. Anyway, the next thing I know, we're in the in my room, in my house, on my back, you know, den, sitting on the sofa together, like scared to death. And I'm crying my eyes out. And my boyfriend is sitting there like, oh, God, please let this be over. Right. I can't imagine, you know, for him, it was rough too. But for me, I'm the one that's done the, th- I'm the one in trouble. Mm. So my mom literally, maybe she'd already noticed that I hadn't had my period. Nothing seemed at that moment to me for her. She did not seem in shock. She mm. just stood up. She just took it. She took it. She, she ushered my boyfriend to the door. Her, my boyfriend's mother and my mother were good friends. And she said, when you go home, you tell your mother nothing. I want you to know that everything will be okay. You have no worries. So I'm just crying on the sofa going, holy cow, Mm. what does that mean? Am I going to go stay in this home for unwed women? I'm, you know, I'm at the mercy now of of whatever's, I have no choice. I have no choice. So I cried and cried and cried and cried and, you know, apologized because I felt like I was this horrid, horrid human Mm -hmm. for even having a natural impulse to have sex. I was in love with my boyfriend. I, we had been together since I was 14 and a half. And here I was at 17 pregnant and we made it back. I'd say we did okay. (laughs) Right. So, um, she puts me to bed and I just remember she just held me and I cried and I may cry now Mm. (laughs) because the strength of that woman Mm. and the strength that I was privileged to have from her was unusual. And I know that. So that's one reason that makes me cry is that I understand that not many people have role models or parents or anyone in their lives that would take control here. So she did. So I went to sleep and I'm sure that as soon as I was lying my head on the bed asleep, 
she was ringing up everyone she knew, asking every favor and whatever she needed to do. Because the very, very next day, I did not go to school. I did, however, go to two or at least one or two doctors. And of course, it's fuzzy because I was scared to death. Sure. But in 1971, uh, abortion was illegal. Um, In North Carolina, there were certain rules. You had to have a psychiatrist sign off on the fact that you were indeed incapable of having a child. So you had to sign off as crazy, and you had to have more more than one or two doctors look at you. So therefore, I've never actually been to a gynecologist, right? So Mm -hmm. there I am in a gynecologist's office all of a sudden. I just feel... and violated is not even the closest word I can come up sure. with, but like a piece of trash because that's the way you're felt then you make, it makes you feel. I remember one of the doctors just looking at me and going, oh, you just need to get married. I mean, just like you are a piece of trash, get married. So anyway, um, got through those kind of appointments. I remember even coming to a psychiatrist here in Charlotte and you've got this whole barrage of men doctors um, signing off on yes, you can have this abortion if you you know you're crazy and there's a problem. And my mother had some money, probably borrowed, begged, or stealed some of it, stole some sure. of it because we were not that rich. But we did we did get the appointment. So I remember going into the doctors at the hospital, and you already feel again, like I said. Um, a piece of trash. I, I can't come stronger with, I, I would say worse words, but it makes sense. It was the most demeaning moment still in my life. I've had a lot of demeaning moments, but this, this moment at 17 going before doctors and psychiatrists and being pregnant and being a victim, uh, being literally at their mercy was mm-hmm. the most demeaning moment of my life. So go to the hospital. And I remember I remember being on a stretcher and looking up and the faces of the people, the caretaker, the doctors and nurses that were looking at me were like, they just looked at me with such disdain and disgust Mm -hmm. or, or maybe I felt that, Sure, but whatever it was, it was so wrong. Right. I mean, they were there to help you, but right. I think that's important the way that that experience made you feel right. The experience made a 17 year old girl feel that. So I had the abortion. Um, I don't remember the procedure. I'm sure they just kind of knocked me out or whatever happened. But I remember coming back to my mom, and I remember she was there at the hospital. Never, she never skipped a beat. So she was there at the hospital, just right there by my side. And she said, Hey, let's go to the movies. I was like, That's a great idea. <laughs> Because we were exhausted. I mean, I, nobody needed to like, right. discuss this any further. We have been, I, I can't even imagine what they made her feel like, right? Mm. I, I can't, mm. put, I haven't put myself in her shoes as the parent who's bringing your 17-year-old daughter in. So we go to see this horrible movie called The Andromeda Strain, which was horrid. But the thing I remember about that is that I would do anything in my power to see that the people I cared about in love in life would never, ever, ever have to go through something like that because I would not want my daughter, my granddaughter, your daughter, anybody's daughter to, to have that experience. Um, and so here we are again. Um, and I think it's important that people like me tell her story. I've, I think I said this at the beginning. I've never told anybody this. Um, I'm not afraid. The teeth are, the teeth of the 
it was in me all my life. I didn't tell my ex-husband. I didn't tell anybody. No one knew this story until very, very recently when I called my daughter from my car. I went, I got to tell you this because I'm going to tell it on the podcast. Mm. And I told you, and I went, this cannot go down again. We are all on different sides of the, of, of the ideas of abortion, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I want to come to you and tell you I've had an abortion. It's the worst day of my life. I would never want to have an abortion. No one that has one wants one. But I'll tell you this equally and more importantly, I would do it again because it would have inalterably, I'm not sure that's a word, would have changed my life. My life would have been so different. And I do not want that for our daughters or our sons. This is about not just women. Mm-hmm. This is about all of us, the the men and women of our lives. So I tell them my, I'm telling my story because I am pre Roe versus Wade. And I have t- driven my share of people to the abortion clinics afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I made myself available because I knew the shame and hurt that abortion is. And when it did become legal in 1973, uh, and I knew one or two people that needed to, you know, that had this thing, no one went yippee-yay-yay, right. I'm, I get to go get an abortion. Right. It's the worst day of your life, whether it's legal or it's not legal. But when it is not legal, it is impossibly difficult. And I had the privilege. That's of, important. Of support. And I know and that. safety. That's in safety. And it will destroy lives. It will destroy children coming into the, to the world's lives. Mm-hmm. And so we as people, not just women, but we as men and women have got to stand up here and vote our conscience on taking care of our children, unborn children, but especially children that are already born. So I had to tell that story today. And so Lee and I had a glass of wine right before this, right? (laughs) We're just going to have to tell you that straight up. Well, I mean, and and we and full disclosure, look at us. Well, we also we have uh, dirty hair, and uh, we don't care that kind of. That doesn't thing. matter. That's not care. important. But yeah. um, I am off the road from dropping my daughter off at camp, a camp for girls, mm-hmm. aged like eleven to seventeen, with counselors, and I left just, you know, looking around at hundreds of. Really beautiful, hopeful, innocent, strong, independent women, little girls, young women, and being so grateful for her opportunity to spend weeks at a time being a child. And for whatever reason, sometimes our childhood gets taken away and we've now taken away their autonomy over them themselves and their their bodies bodies and their souls and their hearts. And that was really painful for me. And so I didn't ever have to go through the question mark or the action of having an abortion. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I had a close friend or best friend who did have you to go through did. that for one, I think it's one in four women before they're 45 years mm-hmm. old have an abortion. Did you know and so to say, I don't think I knew someone personally who had an abortion. I mean, that's probably not the truth. 
And I think that shines such a light on what a stigma and and shame shame this entire concept has put on women. And I just, you know, there's a lot of emotions about all of it. But I want to say to you in that regard, you know, very different experiences, but we're all going to be affected. Not just someone who's had an abortion, not just someone who has a daughter, not just someone who knows somebody who all of us are affected by this. So when you force a population, a group to do something with their bodies. Or you take away a, 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 right. a right that has been there for almost 50 years. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that's ever been done. You don't, we, mm-hmm. we, have, we haven't we, ever moved backwards. We have moved backwards and we have made half of our population less than the other half. And if there was ever a division in our in our United States of America, this would be it. If you wanted to radicalize one group against the other, this was the way to do it. And that might be the goal. I don't know what the goal here is, but the goal in my in my mind now is to bring us together by understanding and supporting one another, appreciating the fact that we have different opinions on this. Mm-hmm. It is I'm pro-life too. I am not pro-abortion, but I am not going to make my will be on those that are not me. Those that may not be Christian, those that may not have the same sensibilities I do. Plus, I just don't damn walk in their shoes. I don't know what they're going through. I don't know what's happened in their life. I, as a legislator, had if I was one, I don't have any right to step right. into somebody else's life and say, you may or may not do this or that with your body. So that said... I, thank you. I, I got that off my chest. I think that's right? important. And I want to just say thank you again for who you are is very strong and very empowering and very also vulnerable. And that's a very deep and personal experience that you've shared. And we don't ever sit here, stand here, speak here in order to tell anybody else what to do in order to think that we know more than anybody else, but we do know and love our people and the people of the world. And you've always built people up. Thank you. Women and men and everybody of a different color and everybody of a different race and religion. And I support you. I always have always will. And there just needs to be more people like you. Wow. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, we're here to support each other. And, mm-hmm. and I can say the exact same mm-hmm. of you. And, and I know that uh, at least the people that I know that listen to our podcast or watch it, some of our clients, we all disagree, but we can all agree on one thing. We are only as good as the least of us. And unless we take care of the least of us, mm-hmm. then we don't have a chance in the world. Mm-hmm. And I understand all of the different, I don't understand everybody who does, but I'm willing to listen. But what we have got to do for each other now is empower each other, go to the polls and vote for people that will make sure that the rights of every human being are as equal as the other. There is no hierarchy in this world. We are all equal human beings under God and under this nation. And men and women should have that equal opportunity at, at, at healthcare and Right. I mean, I think the conundrum at this point is a little 
but looking at the United States and questioning in what ways we actually are united. I think the big question for me has a lot to do with if we're protecting lives, this one to me feels a very tricky one. This is not protecting lives. When there are a million other ways to love our people, our country, our climate. There's a lot of things we can be doing to actually protect all of us. And I hope that we can get there someday because I'm having a really hard time understanding how this protects life. Me too. Amen. So anyway, we had to, we, I had a story to tell today and I hope that you will take it for whatever it is. I have no, I've now let it, I've now let it go. <laughs> and it feels really um, just fine, just fine that I told it. I kept all those secrets for all mm. those years. Mm. And you that are keeping your secrets or you that feel shame about your bodies or you that feel shame about this or that and the other, um, we're, here we're here to support that. And I want you to support those in your life that need you. And right now, everybody does. <laughs> we need so, each other. Yeah, we need each other. But thank, thank you. you. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much it. We're going to go huh. and... Uh, Hop out of here, aren't we? Yeah, are we coming back? I, I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know. We, I, you know, we're, we we decided to do this podcast. We literally are going to go pack and mm-hmm. go to another country for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And so we might podcast while we're there and, and talk to you guys there. And maybe If not. We'll, maybe we'll come back. I know. And if <laughs> not, listen to this two weeks in a row. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. and Yeah, and take some uh, action. Anyway, love you guys. Thank you, everybody. We love you so much. I and love I love you. you. Thanks for listening to us today, wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can now find our podcast on YouTube. Yeah. If you liked it, please share, rate, and review. We love five stars. And we hope you'll work out with us online or in studio at hilliardstudiomethod.com.